0: And we're back. It is July twelfth, and this is technically day seven of the Harris U.S. tour. Mm-hmm. And we are um, about to leave Estes Park, Colorado. Correct. And we're driving. <laughs> Julie's like quizzing me. <laughs> Truthfully, I have you no idea it? where we are. <laughs>
1: it's a lot of <laughs> driving. You've done a lot of driving. And
0: uh, yeah, we've. You know how many miles we've done already?
1: I think over a thousand something. Thirteen, almost fourteen hundred yeah, miles since we left
0: in Dallas. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the Audi RS6 uh, Avant is doing fantastic. It is. Yes, we gave it a name. I think we we christened it Artie after the salesman that sold us the Audi. Mm -hmm. The the Audi salesman named Artie. Indeed. He must have planned that from birth. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Artie the Audi. So we are leaving, are on our way to where?
1: Jackson Hole, Wyoming is next.
0: Which is a total of how long? How many miles? It's
1: going to be, I didn't count the miles, but... Eight and a half to nine and a half hours through the mountains. We'll see how it goes, but right. that's the big plan for tomorrow.
0: Right. That'll be probably which is most of Wyoming. Right. One of our last big um, day long drives, I would think, mm-hmm. that we'll have for a while because we're going to stay how many days in Four Jackson Hole? Four days in Jackson Hole. Mm-hmm. And then after we're in Jackson Hole, do you have any idea where we're I going don't know next? Yet. You don't know. No. So the only thing we know for sure is the next real stop we have is going to be in uh, about a month in Central California. Yes. For Monterey Car Between Week.
1: Between Jackson Hole and there, who knows? We'll see
0: how it goes. <laughs> who knows? Right. Yeah, so yeah. we had someone invite us up to Canada. Mm-hmm. which was right on the border yep. above Montana. Which is so, great. Which is, we might, who knows? Yes. Honestly. We do want to go to Yellowstone.
1: Yes. Uh, So, Grand Teton, so Jackson Hole, Grand Teton, and Yellowstone will be our next uh, week's worth of travels.
0: Right. Because the little sprug obviously hasn't been in Yellowstone. Exactly. You know, it's kind of funny as we're blasting past all these beautiful, you know, mountains and scenes, and we saw a moose yesterday. Yeah, that was awesome. You know, we put all, or by the way, we're um, posting pictures and videos on uh, Instagram at at timandjulieharris.com. So, if you're not, um, if you're at all curious about our two month long, uh, we are thinking probably 20 state u.s tour uh you can obviously follow us along at at on at timandjulieharris.com but it is kind of funny to watch zoe in the back seat at you know <laughs> seven and a half years old uh-huh. who she's uh essentially you know just plucking away at her devices or you know growling playing about cones. Gra- playing cones playing or you know, her stuffed animals or and then here we go past the moose and we have to point it out to her She's yeah. like, Oh, well, cool. Moose.
1: <laughs> Can I pet him? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, yes. so, so
0: far, Julie, what are your observations? Well, Cause we've been on, yeah. this is real estate coaching radio, the nation's number one, uh, you know, real estate podcast. And as such, we have been uh, paying uh, close attention to any of the real estate things mm-hmm. we found along the way. Oh, and by the way, today we're going to start a multi-day series on an incredible article that just came out that Julie and I are going to be reading to you guys and discussing on this podcast, but obviously we're going to stick with our travel theme primarily. Mm-hmm. So what's travel? What's surprised you so far? Yeah,
1: well, I have to say oftentimes with our coaching members and sometimes podcast members who email or we talk to, uh, there's a theme of sometimes they're stuck getting ready to get started and they want to study some things more and they feel like, I've got to know this before I can do that. And we always, as coaches say, you know, even if you think that you know everything about real estate, which is impossible, you got to let that thought go. There's always going to be something that surprises you. You think you saw it all, and then something sneaks up on you, and that happened to me in Taos. Hmm. I, and I don't think you, had ever seen this thing called Earthship biotecture.
0: Absolutely not.
1: Okay, so we're leaving Taos on the way here to Estes Park, and we saw one kind of funky-looking Earth. Plus solar house sunken into the side of it, like kind of the plains, beginning of mountains.
0: Basically, it looked like if the hobbits were essentially aliens making uh, solar houses homes. in the middle of nowhere.
1: Yes, with probably, I don't know, five to 20 acres surrounding it somewhere mm-hmm. in there. And we thought, well, that's interesting. And then we drove another minute or two and then there was another one and another one, another one. And this was an entire... I don't know that you would call it a subdivision, but certainly
0: it was a community. Uh, a
1: community, and I don't know how many hundred there were. Went but there on was for a miles. Lot. It yeah. went on for miles and miles, and so we finally saw a sign that said Earthship Biotecture. Right. Which I had never heard of before. I don't think you'd ever heard of before. We'd we certainly never sold any of these.
0: If we'd heard of them, we would have stayed to, uh, just to have the experience on a yes. VRBO, of which there's plenty there. That's right. And we, and we did yeah. search to find out what you guys have got to go online and see pictures I've of these. You won't believe too. them. Yeah, they're
1: called Super Sustainable Buildings via Thermal Dynamics and Passive Solar. And I have to say, you know, my, the skeptic in me was like, uh, sure, that's just a kid out of the box. Well,
0: let's break you that know. down. So Thermal Dynamics means obviously mm-hmm. they're harvesting, um, you know, the cooling capacities of being built into the ground. And they are. Remember I said these are like, you know, futuristic hobbit houses. And so when you look at these things, they're buried into the ground. And then the whole roof structure of what you can barely, see, you know, it's all solar panels.
1: Yeah, and they have six elements. So this was—I I was a little skeptical, thinking, "What what kind of craziness is this? This just looks really bizarre to me." It kind of looked like a, what was that Dune or something, you know, one of those movies, because it was so different, right? Are and then you I saying looked it up. It
0: looked dystopian to you. Uh, it,
1: I don't know what I—it was one of those things where I had nothing to compare it to, so mm. I didn't know what to think. Mm-hmm. And then I looked it up, and they're actually extremely well organized, put together, and experienced. They have six things that go into these houses: clean water, energy, food, shelter. Sewage treatment and garbage management, these are completely 100% self-sufficient off-the-grid homes.
0: But that goes to a theme that you and I've noticed Mm -hmm. uh, we started talking about really when COVID really became a thing, Mm -hmm. right? And you started seeing these mass migrations out of city centers and all that. And so the point being is that Julie and I were essentially throwing spitballs at the idea that because of the um, advent, I just said spitballs and Zoe gave me a dirty Mm -hmm. look and now she's rolling her eyes looking at me. Um, No, Zoe, it's not okay to throw spitballs. Mm -hmm. But with the advent of Starlink and all this other technology, and now you discover that indeed there are completely off the grid homes and the the only thing that wasn't off the grid in a lot of these houses if I remember correctly is they actually had water storage tanks they had to bring yeah. in their own water that's right um, but as far as their you know the heat and the electric all sorts of you know you could think you can run your house completely off electric mm-hmm. if they had solar. solar panels and battery backups that's and right. the Lots whole thing of batteries. so that's cool
1: yeah so if you wanted to check this out go to earthbiotecture.com you could even rent one to try it out
0: so what I, uh, I answering my own question uh, one of the things that I'm kind of learning from that I thought was not surprising but very interesting mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Uh, from a like a humanistic sort of observational perspective there you go mm-hmm. thank you very much is that how each of these uh, communities and we're you know traveling sometimes eight hours bet- like tomorrow between one city and one you know community and one state to another the way that people look dress and act is more distinct than i mm-hmm. honestly remember yes and i i i I love it, to be honest with you, because yeah, I very distinct. in the cities, everything's the same, right?
1: Sure. I mean, Dallas is not that different than Atlanta, for example. Exactly.
0: Or not know. that different from, say, for example, any other city of similar sure. you know, size. You go to Orange County in Dallas, uh, Texas. Not that different. Not that different. And mm-hmm. that's the thing that I'm really finding incredibly invigorating. Yes. By uh, on the sojourn is that that still exists in our country. And I love yeah, it. Especially I really the do. smaller
1: and medium-sized towns do really have their own theme. They haven't lost
0: it and they're fighting for it. You can tell. That's
1: right. And some of them feel more casual. Some of them are more artist colonies. Some of them have some other theme going. But you can definitely tell a feel for a community. Even, you know, we noticed going to gas stations. Yeah. Sometimes there's a different feel for whether they're like uh, pro-traveler, anti-traveler, hyper-local or not. So, you know, it's just interesting study in humans, I suppose.
0: Right, all the way down to their mannerisms, how mm-hmm. they and you can definitely get the vibe with different um, you know, political leanings and communities That's true too. too. And the mask is really the best way of knowing what you, what sort of the political leanings are. And obviously when in Rome, you know, we whipped our sure. masks out when we had to stop in different areas, but it's um, I guess the other thing was fascinating, again, just being observational, is the different ways people are, you know, in different communities, how they have their hair differently, yeah. and like here, we're we are, where were we before this? As we were in...
1: Uh, Taos. Taos, in right. Roswell. So
0: in Taos, basically, it's like, I would say, an upper middle class, uh, mostly hippie colony. Yeah. Would you... say su- w- Am I summarizing it no, correctly? No,
1: absolutely. Well, I mean, it is known as an artist community. There were a lot of famous artists there in museums yep. and things like that, so it's got that uh, do-your-own-thing artist sort of hippie flair to it. Like
0: every fifth store sells Birkenstocks, okay? Yeah, absolutely. All right, then we And then we drive here, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have that same vibe, but it's still, there's an element of it here. It's outdoorsy, but, but it's
1: more of like uh, mountains and hiking and adventure.
0: Well, Estes Park, I thought, where we are now, mm-hmm. feels very, very touristy.
1: Yeah, well, there's about five million candy shops. Must Much to Zoe's delight. <laughs> candy shops,
0: art gallery, tea shop T-shirt shops, and this is very touristy. So, of yeah. all the places we've been so far, Estes Park. We haven't been here long enough. Yeah, has I think the least distinct uh, feel Pro- of all probably. the communities we've been yeah. to. Yeah. I mean, and, and if you live, is all about aliens. And, and, and if you live here, yeah. and we're completely, you know, getting this wrong, forgive us. We're just right. passing through. And first you know, impressions, right? First impressions. But let's do talk about this. Uh, the amazing hotel.
1: <laughs> yes. The what is it?
0: The Stanley. The Stanley. Right. The Stanley Hotel, where
1: The Shining was written and filmed, I believe. Well, he
0: was motivated by it. Motivated. So, so if you guys remember the movie from um, the 70s uh, called The Shining, mm-hmm. uh, with Jack Nicholson in it, and Red Room, Red Room, and all of that. Yes. I mean, so that's Crazy. the ho- that's the hotel, and it's this. But this it's a magnificent hotel that was built by the steam uh, the Stanley Steamer, a Stanley Stan- Stanley Steamer uh, family. And then prior to that, they actually were competitor. They created um, uh, essentially the uh, ability to take pictures and they sold that to Kodak right Mm -hmm. and so this was money that was basically created in the 20s and the 30s
1: came from the east coast moved Mm -hmm. out here Massachusetts um, primarily for tuberculosis treatment because back then they didn't know what to do about that except for fresh air uh,
0: Mr. Stanley had tuberculosis and this doctor because they didn't know what the heck to do told him to move out here and he did and he brought all of his, his fortune with him and he built this just ridiculous hotel
1: it's magnificent yeah. So if you are ever in this part of the country, that's a great place to investigate. And if you have an inkling towards, uh, you know, ghost adventures, there's some uh, things from, you might want to research online about that, too. Of
0: course. Well, you're in the part <laughs> of the world where there's lots of ghosts. Indeed. And so we want to thank all of you who have been sending us travel suggestions and just little hamburger joints and things like that on Instagram. Um, we've been reading all of the comments and we appreciate it. And uh, yeah, it's fun. So let's talk about something real estate because frankly, yes. not having done a real estate based podcast than our normal genre is good. Yeah, well. Well, I love doing it, so it I is know. giving me some hives. Yes. So this is an article that we're going to share with you guys, and this is an article that came out. Now I'm going to give you a warning. This is my, this is the only warning I'm going to give you about this. Uh, so please bear with us. I and I know some of you, and I don't know why, to be honest with you, some of you take offense when we talk about EXP royalty. And um, again, just I want, we're going to read an article, and I'll, uh, we're going to also post a link to the article in the description of today's podcast. So it'll be on iTunes, Stitcher, it'll be on our main website, TimAndJulieHarris.com. I want you to listen to this article, and Julie's going to read, you can kind of skip some of it, it's too wonkish, but Julie's going to read it. And I want you to think of it from a perspective of investing. And that's how I have an open mind. Like, so for example, if you knew, for example, like Julie and I were pre IPO Facebook investors, and that was a great investment. And then imagine if you'd been able to buy, um, like Julie and I bought, I mean, this is because we're, you know, we're not spring chickens. Right. We bought Google when it went public. We were able to, Apple. but Apple, right? Well, we didn't buy Apple when it went public, but we have Apple shares that go all the way Fairly back. Fairly early, yeah. We have, we've owned Apple shares for basically 30 years, mm-hmm. right? So. Um, that's the perspective I want you to keep in mind as Julie's reading this article because the premise of this article, just you know, punch I'll give you the bottom line first, is the stock ticker symbol EXPI might very well be one of the best investments in forever. And so again this is about exp Realty. it's about verbella um, and it's about you know essentially the, the the competition and all the you know all that. Julie and I are not you know whatever disclaimer we have to give here. we're not mm-hmm. financial advisors, we're not stock pickers. We do have the XPI stock. Um, and again, just listen to this with an open mind, because some of the points this guy made, and again, he's not a real estate agent. He's not in the industry. He is an investor. From what I can tell, he runs other people's money, meaning he probably runs a private equity fund.
1: Yeah, that's right. And remember, even if you're not yet an EXP agent, you know you can invest in EXPI stocks. Sure. So even if you're not thinking quite yet, because eventually they'll all come around to it, um, think about it from your investment standpoint, because this is largely focusing on that. And again, this, this is not an agent or a broker. This is an investment guy. Right. And we're not, and we're
0: not pitching you on eXp. We just want you to listen to this because it's been our premise. And this is what, you know, Julie and I aligned with eXp in uh, December of, or January of 2019. And we did that because we believed that eXp was in perfect alignment, or maybe we were in perfect alignment with eXp's core mission. And one of the, just going back in time a little bit, just so you guys know what motivated us to do this originally is that real estate coaching and training was only, we were only able to really solve half the problem for our clients. The other half of the problem was on this, the fact that they were with traditional real estate brokerages, there was no mechanism in place for them to build wealth unless they bought real estate and in you know, a debt, other investing, there was no mechanism in place for to usually own any equity in, in the brokerages they worked with. So Julie and I were always left with this sort of incomplete feeling as real estate coaches, because we couldn't deliver a complete solution to our our, our, uh, our clients and, until the EXP. And when we learned more about how EXP works and how it benefits agents in a very real financial sense, it's not commission splits, it's not things like that. Well, it's all those things. But listen to what this anal- analyst had to say about the stock and then open your mind.
1: Especially because he's coming from outside of our normal world. I yeah, think it, and he,
0: he, he gives pluses. He gives uh, uh, you know both sides of the argument yes. too.
1: I'm going to start with his initial quote because I think that this defines – you know, stocks can be uh, intimidating to people who don't do it all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think he very nicely defines what you should be looking for. He said, a "Few company quote, few companies come around during an investor's lifetime that have a probable chance of changing one's life if enough capital capital is allocated to it. These companies have a rare combination of extremely high economics, are run by high quality incentivized owner operators, have defensible characteristics, high consistent growth with potential to continue high growth. And are trading at a fair price. Okay, so he says that EXP World Holdings, otherwise known as EXPI, is his next bet. Um, let's see, where do you want me to jump in next? Whatever let's you
0: feel is you know. that these guys will mention. Okay, in. he
1: says I feel EXPI has a rare that rare combination of great economics run by high quality incentivized owner operators. Emphasis on plural because you know agents in EXPI are our owner operators has defensible characteristics, high consistent growth with absolutely monumental runway for growth. And investors are totally overlooking the opportunity, which means it's still priced reasonably.
0: It's priced on the I mean again he's suggesting. Well, he says it's, it's, it's priced. priced
1: at a pittance of where he thinks it'll be in a decade's time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the opportunity well, So, in so this, let's level yeah. up there. Let's okay. get some perspective. Yep. So
0: EXPI, AXP Realty right now has close to sixty thousand agents. He's saying fifty seven thousand agents, I'm sure that's accurate. And based on the current monthly net growth of EXP, there will be about 75,000 agents worldwide. And I believe, I forget off the top of my head, I'm sorry for not knowing this, EXP agents, but I believe EXP is now in 15 different countries. It might be on the way to 15 different countries, but you're talking about Colombia, Mexico, Spain, Australia, Australia. Uh, Portugal, um, I mean Canada, obviously, just all over the place. Everywhere, yeah, everywhere. And and it's the uh, Michael Valdez, who's in charge of international expansion, is obviously been a very busy man.
1: Indeed, (laughs) and will continue to be, I'm Mm -hmm. sure. So he, this uh, investor, goes on to say, "Expi is providing in real time a masterclass in the superpower of incentives." I am betting that Expi takes the lead in the disruption of the real estate industry. They attract the best agents, align them all to think like owners and pass the savings on to the consumer. The world is unequivocally better off because of eXpi. Furthermore, you get lots of optionality. Uh, he says, I bet Glenn Sanford and company throw in a few Amazon-like surprises along the way. So I think he's saying that it's still innovating, of course. Yep. Uh, let's see. So should we go on to Let his... me read what he, he does a little history of the... He no, that's good. That, I think so... that's interesting. Okay. So again, coming from an investor standpoint, he's studying this as somebody from the outside. And I, I think that's really valuable for agents that are kind of always in our own world, agents and brokers and coaches, you know, to hear this. So he goes on to say, the current real estate industry has been around for roughly 100 years. Agent commissions are roughly 5 to 6% on sales. Many people begrudgingly pay the price, but good real estate agent skills are still worth a lot. Real estate brokers traditionally have taken 40 to 50%, give or take, of the commission split. This is where bloat and redundant costs in agent commissions are found. Brokerages have been brick and mortar establishments where agents have an office where they learn and congregate. Real estate, however, is done in the field. Many agents operate from home. The value of a traditional brokerage has been eroding. Technology is enabling agents to work remotely. The traditional brokerage is not worth as much as it once was. And I do think that COVID probably accelerated that since everyone had to work from home.
0: So let me answer a few questions, because here's where people are going to start getting confused, because mm-hmm. I I, you know, I can understand why. Sure. EXP is not a franchise. And Julie's going to be getting into the economic model here in a second. That's really important. EXP is one. Um, essentially now national international brokerage so every state has a you know brokers usually in every state and when you work for exp you don't work you work legally for that broker in that particular state but what you're really doing is working for the one national, Uh, real estate brokerage. Again, not a franchise. So many of the big brands and the the franchising model really uh, took off in the 1970s with really maybe even late 60s -hmm. with franchises. And when you have a franchise, and again, I'm not going to step on the next point. When you have a franchise, like Julie and I, we knew the guy who was selling a lot of the franchises for Remax, back in, um, this was being back in the 80s, and he was selling franchises all over the mid uh, Midwest. And then we knew a lot of the people were selling Keller Williams franchises, and this was in the 90s. And the way that would work, basically, is someone would buy um, uh, Linda and Jim McKissick, for example, sure. friends of ours from mm-hmm. Howard Brenton, okay? Yep. So Linda and Jim, they bought, I think they bought five states. So they bought the region of Kentucky, Ohio, I don't. I mean, maybe somewhere it was four states. It yeah. somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. So Linda and Jim bought. I'm explaining the economic model of a franchise. Great, wonderful people. Julie and I love them. We we'll love them forever. So they bought this uh, region for uh, Keller Williams. They bought it from Keller Williams. So they, you know, we're essentially, you know, buying this big multi-state region. Now their job was to go out there and sell franchises. Mm-hmm. So their jobs. Now I, I'm explaining this to you guys. I want you to see how this model works. So you have corporate, then you have. Um, You have the the regional, you know, uh, again, there's I'm my mind is fighting with my uh, wanting to (laughs) explain all the other people that are in the middle. I'm trying to simplify it. But you have corporate and then you have these people that own the different regions and then you have the franchise holders now what i'm what i'm skipping is in between each of those three cogs there's also a lot of other people that are getting paid this is the reason you have to understand this is the reason that expi is so profitable and so profitable for the sake of real estate agents and so what you have then is you have franchises so when julie and i like linda and jim stayed at our house when they were in the trying to sell franchises for keller williams back in the 90s and we talked to them many times. We were thinking about helping them start a, an, a Keller Williams franchise in Columbus, which we never decided to do. But the point was is that you have a franchise. Now, when the person starts a franchise, then they have to rent office a space and they have all these fixed costs. They have obviously a you know, well run brokerage like Keller Williams, where everything's done at a very high standard, you're going to have incredible fixed costs. And I don't remember, um, our uh, Sean Kokoska told sure. me once, I think he said the average Keller Williams franchise, and don't hold me to this, I think I remembering correctly, Has a fixed monthly cost of over 100 grand a month. Mm -hmm. I think it was like 108 grand or some obscure number. Yeah, Yeah. and so the point being is that's money that's going just to keep the brokerage operational. Now, and and again, I want you to think about this inside the actual franchise. Then you have the office manager, you have the team lead, you have the this, the other thing, all these individual roles, all these people who have jobs who are all there to help run that uh, particular brokerage. And then remember all the people that are getting. uh, So when a real estate agent You know, when Bob sells a house, right, and, you know, Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and he's at Jackson Hole, Wyoming, Keller Williams, that money that he is uh, from the the commission that's generated from that sale is is getting shared, obviously, with Bob for having made the sale, but all the other people and all the other things that are between Bob and corporate. And so that's the reason a lot of times these uh, franchises, what happens is they have additional fees. It's not just about commission splits in a traditional franchise model. It's about, oh, you, well, your commission split is this, but now you have your annual you know, 6% this, your royalty fee, and you have your this and your other thing. They have to charge those fees so the people that own the franchises can actually make a profit. And if you have a market like this where you're seeing commissions erode, especially in the Mm -hmm. buyer agent side, then you're looking at even more of a a business model that's under a lot of stress.
1: That's right. And
0: enter eXp. And this is the reason this guy is thinking that eXp is such a disruptive model because eXp is virtual, has Mm -hmm. no, uh, is not a franchise. And all the people that would have been in in between Bob making that sale Mm -hmm. and all those other people, they're not part of the conversation.
1: They're not necessary.
0: Right. There's no franchise holder. There's no region holder. There's no corporate office. That's no one. This is so go ahead.
1: That's right. So he goes on to say that the best agents already have established books of business, and a majority are paying that big chunk of their commission to a traditional broker. Few, if any, have any ownership incentive In their current brokerage model. Now, you guys might want to grab a pencil because we're going to do a little bit of math.
0: And did you know that still a vast majority of the real estate brokerages in the United States at at the least, maybe even the world, are still non-franchise independent brokerages? Yes. They're Tim and Julie real estate type deals. Yeah. That's
1: right. Okay. So, and yeah, that includes a lot of brokers. I think it's it's 60% too. That's amazing. Yeah. So, eXp comes around and offers this. Again, you might want to get your typing fingers out or jot down some notes here. Okay, EXP says we'll take 20% of the commission, you get 80%, but- Up to to a $16,000 cap. Once you've paid that $16,000 to EXPI, then you get 100%. You deserve it. Just give us 250 bucks per transaction. And after 20 transactions, it's only $75 per transaction. So
0: after you pay your cap, Basically what they're explaining after you paid in your 16 grand, after that you have a $250 per transaction fee
1: Indeed and after 20 it goes down to 75 Right but after you pay in
0: your cap you're 100% commission there's Mm -hmm. no commission split
1: Which for the vast majority of agents you could stop right there You could You could I mean that's definitely more value
0: And there's no annual fee and there's no Mickey Mouse fees it's just straight up those are the numbers are
1: Okay but wait there's more (laughs) Okay he says let's help you build wealth a few more ways while we're at it. Now, this is where you and I really resonated with this because we've always taught having multiple sources of income and saving and getting yourselves ahead. So let's start. And, and I think we'll probably stop here and That's then perfect. we'll, we'll yep, yep. continue this tomorrow. Okay. So cliffhanger. time to write down some bullet points, guys. All right. So point number one, revenue share, bring agents to EXPI and I'm sorry, to EXP and you'll receive a percentage of the company dollar this is important because agents get tangled up in that the company dollar revenue paid from exp's pocket from their sales activity it is based on gross commission income known as gci and is dynamically calculated and paid monthly
0: okay let me explain that yes so keller williams has uh, innovated the idea of profit share they're the first that did it So you introduce an agent to your particular office and that agent sells a house and hypothetically you'd be paid off the profit that's determined essentially by the brokerage and essentially the- After paying all the costs. All the costs, right. So a lot of, you just like, uh, I've talked to, I don't want to get too much into the weeds, but the essence of it is profits, your portion of the profits paid on what's left after all the fixed expenses from running the brokerage. Whereas what EXP did, what Glenn Sanford did, because Glenn Sanford was a Keller Williams agent himself, is Glenn said, what happens if instead of basically diluting the agents, um, you know, incentive and, and basically making it so there really is no incentive for an agent to recruit sure. because if you're paying them off profit share and there's no profit because a lot of the, you know, it's very difficult to run a profitable uh, real estate brokerage. And it's
1: unpredictable. The profit isn't the same every month.
0: Enter COVID and who knows what, sure. right? So what Glenn did, why don't we start paying agents off the top? And in no delusion. So there's no, when you have like, let's say, you know, Julie sponsors Tim, right? And Tim sponsor and Tim sells uh, a house and he gets a $10,000 commission. Now Tim's on an 80 20 split and all the rest of it. But Julie's revenue share comes off the top, off the company portion of the money that's being paid towards her cap.
1: Which Tim is paying anyway.
0: Right. So I'm paying my 80-20 split, and Julie's getting paid revenue share based on the actual sale, but it's coming off the cap. It's not in addition to the cap. It's
1: coming from the revenue.
0: Right. So I don't have any animosity feelings towards Julie from being my sponsor because I was going to pay it anyway.
1: Right. It's coming from the company dollar, not from Tim's pocket. And
0: as soon as I cap, there's no more revenue share paid. Once an agent caps, there's no more revenue share on that particular agent.
1: paid in. Okay. So then the point number two, equity gets stock when... There's several different times here. A, you close the first sale each year, that you get $200 in stock. B, when the sponsored agent closes their first sale, that's $400 in stock. When you hit an annual cap, you get $400 in stock. And when you reach icon st- status, $16,000 goes back to you in stock. Yep. That's and he well, goes on later to talk about how significant moving the needle is with. He's
0: over simplifying it. Yeah. You have to qualify to be Icon and you have to go sure. f- you ha- Well a lot so, of
1: people do and they yeah. get back. Oh
0: yeah. So that's the thing. So you go and you ba- it, it's about eighty thousand dollars in G C I and at that point you have paid in your sixteen grand and then once you sell an additional twenty units or have a total G C I of five hundred grand, you qualify for Icon, which means if you meet the requirements, which everyone does, it's not like they're trying to prevent you from meeting the requirements. You get your $16,000 back in the form of eXpi stock. That's,
1: That's right. amazing. Now, Julie and I <laughs> yeah.
0: personally know people, our yeah. coaching clients we brought sure. to eXp. Uh-huh. I mean, I can think of many, many that have accumulated hundreds of thousands of dollars because every since, it, you know, mm-hmm. two and a half years ago, when we came here and, mm-hmm. the, and when we went to eXp, they've hit icon every single year. Yes. You and, don't do
1: it just once. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah you, you, do qualify, you qualify
0: every year. So every year right. on your calendar year, when you pay in your cap again, you can then qualify again to hit icon.
1: Indeed. So the next part is take up to 5% of your annual earned commissions in EXP stock at a 10% discount. Now, most EXP, EXP agents have that set up to happen automatically Right at closing. So That means um, you get
0: to buy the stock at a discount and there's no holding term on the stock yeah. once you buy it at a discount. Which
1: is awesome. So That's an insane amount of value that EXP is giving. No competitors come close to giving this much value and ownership to agents. He says, I mean, what shareholder in their right mind thinks this is good for them? Low margins and dilution is bad. No, but many great things in life are often unintuitive. Incentives are one. So tomorrow we're going to talk about the value of incentives. I thought he had a really interesting take on that. uh, Because you know just what you were talking about, the difference between profit share and revenue share, that profit share really became you know it was a big story in the beginning and then it became like nobody really talks about it anymore because there's not that much profit left over right. well, and nobody, especially with the erosion of commissions and all that
0: but i i'm speaking to those of you now who have teams or you have brokerages you're thinking about sure. starting a team or thinking about starting a brokerage what exp does is it creates another effectively passive source of income for you you get the stock awards for doing what you're already doing yes, that's real money that's right. You get, essentially, you get the revenue share from the people basically that you sponsor. That's real money. We're going to talk more about how the revenue share works. But Julie and I, again, know many, many people at eXp. So here's a little statistic for some of you guys. Um, 40% because, you know, this is very important that people understand this. The, this will either, you'll either think this is a great number, you'll think this is not a great number. Personally, I think it's a great number. 40% of all agents at eXp are receiving revenue share, 40%. Now remember, eXp is growing by basically close to 100% per year. I mean, not quite, but basically that's a projected, sure. that's mm-hmm. the trend right now. Yep. So if you have a bunch of agents that have come in and are coming in every single month, thousands are joining every single month, mm-hmm. it makes sense that not all of them are sponsoring agents yet. Sure. So it makes sense that you're going to see that 40% number increase. And more agents are going first. to see revenue share mm-hmm. when you, and this is the next thing we're going to talk about on the show tomorrow. And well,
1: remember Tim, even if for whatever reason, they weren't doing all those other things for most agents, just the way the commission works is going to be better for them as a starting point
0: Oh, for sure. And
1: then they learn all of the other things. And sometimes they, they I've had some funny experiences where they didn't realize they were awarded at their first close. Oh, totally. And they're like, where'd the stock come from or they
0: brought they sponsored agents and, and they didn't realize that yes. they got $400 for the VXPI stock mm-hmm. for once that agent sells their first house yeah and you have to show them how to log into right. the interface and they see like it's holy like tomo I remember right before the stock split it was uh-huh. it was teetering around 150 bucks a share mm-hmm. and I remember agents not knowing how they never logged in, they never yeah. took it seriously right and then I showed them how much their shares were worth they couldn't believe it
1: no they couldn't believe it it's, yeah it, that's a fun call and of
0: course agent yeah. brain made them think well I'm going to Sell it and buy a Corvette. No, you're not.
1: No, just wait and see. (laughs) So, what
0: Glenn Sanford and with this model has effectively done is it solved the biggest problems that most agents have. And frankly, it's always about lack of money management. Let's just be honest. Yeah. And so, uh, EXP is going to create another source of income from the revenue share, but also going to create long-term generational wealth. We're going to pick up where we left off today, tomorrow, and we're going to talk more about what this guy is projecting is going to happen with eXPI. So again, I know some of you are a little bit, uh, you know, maybe put off by this topic. Please don't be. Look at this objection. Uh, uh, help uh, me out ob- here.
1: Objectively. Objectively. Thanks. <laughs> we're, we both have
0: a little bit of road <laughs> brain. Sorry.
1: Yeah, but you know, the thing is, I think that agents that are like, oh gosh, they're talking about EXP again, are the ones that maybe never heard this stuff is why we're sharing it with right. them. Is It's almost like fear or resistance to the unknown. And then when you hear about this, especially coming from somebody that's, you know, it's, we're, we're quoting him. That's not just because we say so. It's not because your friend has been trying to talk to you about it.
0: So, guys, listen. If you want more information yeah. on EXP, just go ahead and text EXP to 47372. Is that right? Did I get it right? I believe so. Okay. And text EXP to 47372. Or you can just go to YLibertas.com. W H Y L I B E R TAS.com go to or just like I said text EXP to 47372 I'm 99 percent sure that's right um, we're, we're sitting we're rather standing in a hotel room right now in Estes Park watching Zoe on her iPad
1: not used to the high elevation
0: <laughs> exactly so Julie and I had to take a nap today because we're not used to the thin air
1: walking around
0: I mean my gosh is that it's noticeable right
1: it is noticeable Well, I think you know coming from the Caribbean too we have lack of humidity we have elevation very clear air and very bright skies. So we're in a little recovery here.
0: So hopefully you guys are liking this topic. We're going to pick up uh, tomorrow. And if you, have any, if you guys are ready to join EXP and you're looking for a sponsor that's going to be obviously proactive in helping you build your real estate business in the multifacets that EXP creates for you, Julie and I are formally applying for the job of being your EXP sponsor. Just go to ylibertas.com or just text uh, EXP to 47372. If you're ready to join today, you can just text me uh, directly at 512-758-0206. In the meantime, you guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow.